Today's episode comes with a content warning for abortion, infant mortality, transphobia, AIDS, sexual assault, mental health, disordered eating and sex. So if you're not feeling comfortable listening to any of those topics today, please feel free to come back another day. Hi and welcome to Spilling the Intersectionality, Newcastle University Feminist Society's podcast which looks at all things intersectional feminism. I'm your host today, Rosie Plummer. I'm one of the general committee members at Newcastle FemSoc. I'm studying a master's in international development and education and my pronouns are she and her. Today I'm joined by the wonderful president of English Society at Newcastle, Liv Blackham. Hi everyone, I'm Liv, I'm president of Ingsoc along with a few other lovely girls. I'm a final year English literature student and my pronouns are also she, her. So today's episode is our Valentine's self-love special and we're going to look at whether Valentine's can be feminist, loving ourselves and chatting a bit about having belief in ourselves. Just before we begin this section, our feminist news section is going to discuss discuss abortion, infant mortality, transphobia and AIDS. So if you need to skip this section, that's okay. We can come back another day if you don't want to listen to this today. Um, so Liv and I haven't properly spoken since our self-care event in January. So how are you doing today, Liv? And how have your New Year's resolutions been going? I'm good. You haven't started off with an easy question. Um, so with my resolutions, I haven't ordered any new books lately, which is probably a good thing, but it means I haven't like diversified my read- reading further or my bookshop choices. I am still trying to finish Before the Coffee Gets Cold, which is the Japanese novel, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, It's become really popular lately. Um, As well, I have been exercising more frequently, and I feel like I kind of enjoy it more, but given the choice, I'm just still going to stay on the sofa with wine. Like, that's the better choice, in my opinion. Um, But self-esteem really does come hand in hand with, like, self-image. And I've actually just gotten an online coach to help me with nutrition and exercise, which is exciting. How about you? Um, I want to hear more about your online coach. That sounds really cool. Um, but yeah, my resolutions, I didn't really go outside much in January, um, which I think I said to you at the time. I think I failed that in like week one. Um, but this month's been better. I actually just built a snowman. Um, so that got me outside today. I have started posting on LinkedIn, which was one of mine. I've been reading the news a lot more which has been really good um I think the one for me that I still want to work on is standing up for myself more because I'm still a bit of a people pleaser but that'll take time but tell me about your online nutrition so it's a um, woman I I don't actually know where she lives but she just did her own um degree in nutrition and exercise and she basically has like a workout plan and she helps me with like my macros and like tracking my eating but like in like a more positive way because I kind of do struggle with eating properly um but I don't want to go down like a really negative path of being too controlling um so she kind of just like guides me in the right direction and she um, motivates me she offers like a really big amount of accountability which is what I need like I need somebody to tell me like you need to do this or there's going to be a consequence otherwise it just won't happen <laughs> so it's actually really good it can be expensive but this woman who is doing it with me um she's just starting out so there's like a discount that's cool where did you find her just on instagram just like looking for i try and like keep a really positive instagram feed so i actually enjoy being on my instagram so i like follow quite positive like um body influencers and like um lots of like exercise like women who started up in lockdown and now have all these like sponsorships and I just found her just coincidentally and she's really lovely oh that sounds really nice so as with all of our spilling the intersectionality podcasts we're going to begin with some recent news um and somehow when i made this list i have missed out a whole military coup in myanmar um and this is partly due to the media and internet shutdown so it's quite hard to get accurate facts on the current situation but what i have seen has shown incredible bravery bravery from the people of myanmar and it's really sad that 2021 already seems to be a year where we've had so many assaults on democracy 
Our first piece of feminist news this week isn't a very positive one, but I think it's an important one to talk about, and that is Poland recently enforcing an almost total ban on abortions. So this was a law that had been discussed in October, but has just come into law um, in January. And I know in our last podcast, Harriet and Ellie had talked about recent laws in Argentina, and the protesters in Poland have been wearing green headscarves in a nod towards the success of the Argentinian women's movement. Um, so Poland already had one of the strictest abortion laws in Europe before this new legislation and most of the women in the country who do get abortions actually were already travelling abroad or getting illegal terminations. Um, and I was wondering if you'd really heard about this news, Liv. Yeah, I have and it does actually hit really close. Um, I'm completely pro-choice with an emphasis on the word choice. I think even in the case of accidental pregnancy, women should be allowed to make a choice on what their body goes through. But in cases of disability and malformation, a choice should be present. Every life is worthy and important, but not everyone has the resources to bring a child with a disability into this world. And that can have severe effects on the entire family's happiness and that child's upbringing. My parents brought a child into the world with a chromosomal disorder um, causing malformations, and they deserve to have that choice because if he had have continued to live, he would have led a really painful life with loving parents that wanted him but without it would have been completely unimaginable and I couldn't imagine people having to go through that without the choice because being born is not a choice and the pain that these women in Poland are going through and women all over the world is just abominable and it is everybody's problem as a human being to speak up on it. Yeah thank you for sharing that Liv. I think in Poland this is why the changes have been especially hard-hitting because the abortion laws were already so strict that most of the abortions were in the case of fetal malformations. Um, So effectively, this new law is forcing families into the situation you yourself has been through, um, but without that choice, as you've said. And I know, obviously, both of us believe in that choice regardless of the circumstances of the pregnancy, but it feels especially inhumane to be tightening an already very harsh law. Um, Unfortunately, the second piece of news I've picked this week also isn't that cheerful, but as with the situation in Poland, um, it does demonstrate the importance of protests. And this is about the farmers protest in India and the brutality they've been met with. So India, for anyone who doesn't know, has had a government controlled market historically, but there's been more capitalization since 1991. But at the minute, the state has still been setting prices in agriculture, well, until late last year. Um, and this was ensuring that farmers had quite a set and stable income. But now, I think it was about November last year, they've pushed through a new situation where agricultural reform means that the farmers now are gonna have to sell to corporations rather than to the state, um, which obviously makes them a lot more vulnerable to the market. And the government has been responding to protests very harshly. This includes an internet shutdown. Armed forces have been used on protesters. And obviously with my degree, I've looked at market reforms quite a bit, so I perhaps have a bit of an advantage over you, Liv. Um, But I just wondered if you had any thoughts on this or whether you'd heard about it. I know Rihanna and Greta Thunberg have both been tweeting on this, um, but I don't really know whether it's something that's being talked out about outside of people who are already aware of Indian affairs. Yeah, I have heard about it. I think if you are just trying to boost our economy in a time where everybody needs that boost, but they're definitely going about it in the wrong right, wrong way. Um, well, I've heard mainly about the issues that India's been running into with celebrities talking about this. Um, so India have been very closed off to the celebrities making these comments. Um, they quite clearly don't want to be criticised because what country ever does? But why do we need to have these celebrities speaking out on these protests for them to actually be noticed and discussed? Like. There's a greater association of these protests with Rihanna than there is with India itself. And it's just kind of appalling that these people are suffering and we rely on millionaires to tell us about it. And that's how we become informed. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. It is nice to see a celebrity like Rihanna using her platform for good. Um, But it is crazy. I think the protests have been going on since November and yet it's taken until now really for people in Europe and America to really talk about it. Um, But for anyone who is interested in the situation um, outside of just the hashtags that Rihanna and Greta are using, 
there is a climate activist I follow on Twitter called, I'm going to try and say this right, at Lucy Priya Can You Jam? And she is literally about nine years old. So I think her family probably really run her social media account. Um, but she gives quite an interesting insight, especially into the climate situation in India. Um, and she's also been on the side of the farmers during these protests. And it's quite nice sometimes to follow activists from outside Europe. Um, and for me as a development student, it's quite an interesting situation because India has developed economically so much in recent years, but there's an argument made by Sen that even if you're the richest society in the world, if you don't have freedom, like the freedom to protest, um, you're never going to be a truly developed society, which I think, to be honest, most countries today fall foul of, um, which is quite interesting, but that's probably a conversation for another day, <laughs> not give you a lecture on my whole degree. <laughs> Um, so the final piece of more serious news I've selected this week is a bit closer to home here in the UK and it's about the proposed changes on legislation regarding gender neutral bathrooms in the UK. So at the end of January the government began consulting on toilet provision for men and women and suggesting that the shift towards gender neutral facilities has disadvantaged women with specific needs. Um, generally saying that women need to use the toilet more because of things like menopause and then they're going to be disadvantaged because they then can't use urinals so there's an implication that there's maybe not enough toilet facilities because of gender neutral toilets um, and that women are less likely to feel comfortable using mixed sex facilities so I think this is quite interesting because it's not very clear how this research has been done and I'm sure both of us probably grew up with gender neutral bathrooms, as most people did in their own homes. Um, so I'm a bit sceptical as to what's wrong with them, since pretty much everyone has probably used one at some point in their life and been fine. Um, but I also wonder how this question was worded, because if you said to me, do you want to share a bathroom with other women? I'd probably say yes, because I've lived with boys and they're kind of spend a long time in there. They won't lend me a hairbrush. Like there's reasons I might say I want to share with women, but if you want if you word that differently and say do you want to exclude trans and non-binary people from being able to pee in public I'm going to say no so I'm quite interested as to how this research was actually done um, and to me I think the answer would probably be to make more gender neutral toilets so that everyone can have access to them rather than saying we need to resegregate them um, but this is still in consultation so you can actually email your opinions to toilets at communities.gov.uk um, which I really like that email address it made me laugh um, so if you want to email in your opinion you can but is that something you'd heard about Liv? Uh, yes it is I just think it's really ridiculous I don't know where it could have come from like you said because I've never felt like there weren't enough toilets except maybe when like you go to Tesco or something but it's just I don't know where they could have got this from, truly. Um, what I found really baffling is that they are complete, they've just cited like older women as needing the toilet more. I don't know where that evidence has come from for a start. And who has like come out and said, I don't have enough toilets because we have gender neutral toilets. Like that's just ridiculous to me. It sounds like something my grandmother would potentially say as a woman who misses transgender and non-binary people for who they really are but I just I don't understand it because it's coming from a government that is largely cis white men saying that women are cis women are having an issue and I just don't think that's right I don't see how that's come about I don't see who said it because it's nothing I've ever heard of I've never had an issue with toilets being gender neutral when you go to a cafe and there's just one toilet you do not kick off because there's one toilet like I just think it's disgusting and it's very coincidental that at the same time America is pushing through more and more anti-trans bills as we are making these decisions and just going back on what we've previously done like it's a toilet they need to just kind of grow up yeah I also it just seems really weird timing to me like I don't know about you, but I don't know when I last used a public toilet anyway. Like, we're not even allowed outside, so who's saying there's not enough toilets? Like, we're in lockdown. <laughs> like, I don't really understand how this has suddenly come up. Um, but like I said, it's still under review, so if you do want to get involved, 
do feel free to email and let the government know your views and hopefully we can just get more gender neutral toilets and that will be fab for everyone. So moving away from politics a bit to media news, um, so everyone who knows me knows I don't watch TV. <laughs> I didn't watch Gossip Girl until I was 22. I haven't seen Gavin Stacey, like so many shameful secrets here. Um, I won't have seen pretty much anything, but I have been hearing a lot about its sin. So I was hoping you could enlighten me, Liv, on why it's relevant today. I just can't believe you haven't seen anything. I, I, we've had a chat for about a week about what you've actually seen, and it's just been to hear what you have and haven't seen. Before I came onto this, like, what do you actually do in your own free time? Oh, I actually. I'm really bad at relaxing. This is definitely a separate issue, but I'm, I don't know, I don't know about the word workaholic. I'm not sure I like that, but I can't relax on my own. So this is why I need to live with other people, really. <laughs> well, fortunately, I have actually seen the first four episodes of It's a Sin. The rest are pending because I'm waiting for all my housemates to be free to finish it. Um, I would definitely say being with housemates does help you actually watch more TV. You're right. Um, I think it's a fantastic show that should have been made years ago. That's all I can think about when I watch it. This show is full of experiences that have been silenced for just too long. It follows the lives of four gay men of different ethnicities and backgrounds and a woman whose sexuality I don't actually know. Um, and they're dealing with the rise of AIDS in their friendship group and across the world um, and all the misinformation surrounding it. It's so beautifully told, even when it is heartbreaking. It hurts to see that much pain and fear, truly. And I hope that it is the first of many stories like it to come out because it's an incredible generation loss. I like that just episode four I watched yesterday or something, and it was amazing. Like I fully cried at the end. It's so beautiful, you have to watch it. It's only five one hour episodes, and you can completely binge it in one night, Rosie. Okay, I'll add it to the list, but you know it's a long list. Um, <laughs> I do really want to watch it though, and I think what's been interesting to seeing about it on social media is all the talk about how there has been a more recent pandemic than the Spanish influenza. Um, and I actually had a Google before, and I know the World Health Organization is still using the term global epidemic um, to describe AIDS, which I find a little bit baffling, especially when you look up the term epidemic. Um, but yeah, I definitely will be adding that one to the list. Um, and on that media note, I know Emily in Paris was recently nominated for Golden Globe. Um, and this was seen as a snub to I May Destroy You. Unsurprisingly, I haven't seen either of these, um, but I have actually heard of I May Destroy You because it's been recommended to me by quite a lot of people. Um, so I'm hoping you can perhaps enlighten me on this as well, Liv. Yeah, I just honestly, Rosie, you should just be ashamed of yourself for your lack of knowledge. It's horrific. Um, so I May Destroy You was created, written, directed and starred in by Michaela Cole. She's basically a goddess and she plays an actress. She plays a woman called Arabella, a successful writer, later turned influencer. And in the first episode, she's raped. Um, the show follows her journey with coming to terms with her sexual assault and how her life begins to crumble from this, but also grow from this. Um, the view switches between her and her casual partner, Terry, and her gay friend, Quan, um, and about their own experiences with sexual assault and daily life. It's a really empowering story in the same way as it's a sin, because it's so rarely told when it should be. And I haven't seen Emily in Paris, but I have heard a lot about it and I just feel like we don't need another story about a privileged white girl and we certainly didn't need it to be nominated for a Golden Globe. That isn't to take away from the show or Lily Collins, but that story is not as important and as worthy as I may destroy you. However, an important point to touch on that social media is ignored is the fact that Emily in Paris was nominated for um, a Golden Globe under the category of musical comedy TV show which I May Destroy You wouldn't come under. It would come under drama. Um, but on a similar note, that category for every actress that was nominated, they were white. We, and there were two actresses nominated for The Crown under that one award. 
we don't need two women from the crown one is more than enough do we even need one i mean i haven't watched the crown i know that's probably almost as bad as you rosie but i haven't watched it i'm not investing i actually am watching the crown (laughs) i've been watching it for like a year and i still haven't finished it so sorry carry on (laughs) no worries i just i when i like looked at the lists i was just kind of appalled like all these important, interesting TV shows are not on there, but The Mandalorian is nominated for a drama Golden Globe. Like, Emily in Paris isn't the issue, and The Mandalorian isn't the issue, and The Crown isn't the issue. The issue is the Golden Globe's nominating committee, and that's what everybody's kind of ignoring. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, because I really hadn't realised they were in different categories, because like I say, I've only seen what's been on social media, and I had assumed it was a case of one being snubbed over the other, Um, whereas like, yeah, it just sounds more like the Golden Globes in general need to diversify, not necessarily that it's anyone involved in the production of these shows' fault. Um, So yeah, that was our news section for today. So coming on to our main topic for this episode now, which is centered around Valentine's Day and self-love. Just a quick content warning for this section, we're gonna briefly touch on mental health and sex. So obviously we can't talk about Valentine's Day without talking about romantic relationships, but I think what we're really more interested in here is the relationship with ourselves, Um, but obviously we're gonna have to talk a bit about both. So firstly, Liv, how do you feel about Valentine's Day? Do you have any plans for the day? Berlin towards Valentine's Day. I'm quite a romantic person, like just in myself. So I love the idea that there's a day where you show the people you love just how much you love them. But I also would do that any time of the year, which is like a big issue surrounding Valentine's Day. It's like why do you have like one day to show someone you love them? I just do it all the time. I have a really terrible habit of buying people like random little gifts all the time because why not? Um it just makes me happy to do it. I love these people and it would make them happy as well, which would make me happy. So it's just a lovely little cycle. Uh, two of my oldest friends have bought me Valentine's cards for as long as I can remember, despite the fact that they're both happily in long-term relationships because we just know that most friendships last longer than relationships. And it's this is the most important relationship you're ever going to have, your friendships. For my Valentine's Day, I will be in my house with my four lovely housemates. I've got them all a little gift just to remind them that I love them. We'll probably watch movies all night with far too many snacks, kind of a classic Valentine's. It's the first year where my entire house is actually single, so we're really celebrating that. And most of all, I don't want them to have a sad day. One of the downsides to Valentine's Day is that you see all these people on social media and in daily life experiencing these romantic gestures makes you feel like you're doing something wrong if you aren't part of it which I hate and I've definitely been a victim of yeah okay there's so much I want to come back to there um but I'm glad we've got at least one romantic um I also want some fun gifts off you please live <laughs> um so I yeah I really like valentine's with friends as well so let's definitely talk about that in a bit but yeah my opinion on valentine's day is I do think it's a bit of a consumerist scam so like don't get me wrong if you are in a relationship and you want to like I don't know cook each other a cute meal that's great but like you kind of touched on there what it seems to be from a social media perspective especially is people post on Instagram about either what they were bought um or like how perfect their relationship is and I just don't think it's that healthy to put that much pressure on your relationship on this one day because most of the time, if your partner doesn't buy you flowers on a Sunday, you're not going to be upset about it. But if he doesn't, or they don't on Valentine's Day, it's suddenly like a big deal. And I just, I don't like that pressure on one day. Um, and I also feel it's quite a gendered thing at the minute. Or from what I've seen anyway, it tends to be a lot of like men spoiling their girlfriends. And I really hate the word spoiling, but that kind of is what it is. It seems to be this patronizing thing where the man has a lot of pressure on him in heterosexual relationships to buy like I don't know hundreds of roses for you whereas actually if you wanted hundreds of roses you could literally just buy them yourself like you don't actually care (laughs) um and it just feels quite uncomfortable to me that we haven't really moved away from this traditional like the man has the money and buys his wife nice things kind of image um 
but I will admit, like I said, I'm not really romantic and I'm sure there are ways to make this day your own. I recently saw a really cute Etsy card that was like, be mine, just kidding, you're your own autonomous person, which I thought was very cute. Um, so yeah, before we kind of talk about maybe Galentine's a bit more, do you think Valentine's is something we can reclaim? I mean, I think the, the gendered nature of Valentine's really comes down to your own view and your own relationship. I'm very much the kind of person who would go above and beyond to get gifts for my partner. Um, so I'm heterosexual. Um, I'm also single still. And um, my friends and relationships are very similar to me as they go out their way to make Valentine's equal. But I think it depends on your own view of things because some girls do love to be spoiled and some men don't like to receive gifts like the amount of times I've heard my friends say like oh my boyfriend won't tell me how much money he spent on me for Christmas or for Valentine's Day but he said that I should spend around this and you always know it's going to be a low number it's, they're always lowballing you because men almost I mean my own experience of it is they don't know how to deal with getting gifts and affection like that because they're raising a society that teaches them to not feel and and present their emotions so receiving gifts from somebody they love it's almost overwhelming like my own stepdad really struggles to receive gifts from my mum because he just doesn't like know how like it's never something you really experience but he's fantastic at getting these really thoughtful gifts for her um and I just think the I who doesn't love the idea of being spoiled like it's not just a gender thing everybody would love to be spoiled but it's just the way society presents who should and shouldn't be spoiled but I will admit like I have been that kind of person that is like I would love to be spoiled like it would be so nice to feel that amount of love I'm quite a sentimental person so I'm also I would love something more thoughtful than expensive like if somebody like made me a scrapbook and instead of buying me like a 300 pound watch I'd take the scrapbook I really would um but I also think that capitalism has begun to market Valentine's Day as something for like all genders it's a lot more inclusive than it used to be like in supermarkets alone there are gifts for everybody um I mean to some extent the gifts are gendered because they have the very stereotypical like for a man you buy them like boxes with love hearts on and for a woman you buy her flowers like they still have those very rigid stereotypes but it is more fluid than it used to be um but I mean I've said it before and I said again I'm still a sucker for galentines I love it and all the gifts and cards pertaining to that have definitely increased and I just think we're in a really isolating time where you can't see anybody me personally, if I don't talk to someone in a while, I just kind of feel like they aren't my friend anymore. It's maddening, but I just feel like if I don't talk to somebody, then how do I know if we are friends? Like, conversation is friendship to me. So, Galentine's is just really a way to me to celebrate your friendships and let the other person know that you're important to each other. But then again, I've never had a romantic Valentine's Day. I've always had a Galentine, so I kind of can't speak to it as much as you could, Rosie. Yeah, um... So I've been in a relationship for like ever, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't think I've ever really done Valentine's Day, um, or at least not while I've been in a proper relationship. I'm sure when I was a teenager, like there was cards and chocolate kind of things. Um, but I've actually done more Galentine's as well. Like my best Valentine's Day was definitely the year I went to see Vagina Monologues with one of my best friends. Can definitely recommend that to anyone. Um, You've also made me want to like look up love languages though because I think it's really interesting that you were saying that if someone doesn't talk to you, you're like, are they still my friend? Whereas I'm the opposite. I'm like, I will not speak to you for like six months, but I expect us to still be fine. <laughs> Which I think is probably just something about different ways people communicate sort of love and affection. Um, but I also, yeah, I find Galentine's quite interesting because I definitely am more into that but then as we've kind of touched on already I wonder like it's that is very much gendered again like it's perhaps not something there's not like a day for masculine people to set aside to celebrate their friends um but that's not really like Valentine's Day fault that's just society not letting men talk about their emotions like you've already said um so on that note do you think Valentine's Day 
is a sign that romantic relationships are really seen as an ideal still in society and do you think there should be i don't know some kind of equivalent day to celebrate the single life do i mean we exist in a society that is built upon relationships like i was reading about really boring literary darwinism um like in literary theory the other day and it was about how like everything in society has been built up to like help men and women facilitate relationships and to procreate literally everything we know is built upon this whole idea that you need to have a partner and you're almost unworthy of the world's attention if you don't have a partner I mean, how many TV shows and movies have you seen where everybody ends up in a couple by the end? Like, there's so many. One of my favourite authors is, she's like a chiclet um, author, and every single book ends with everybody in the book happily in a relationship. And it's so ridiculous, but it's so comforting to read at the same time. Like, we nourish it as well as hating it. And I suppose it has gotten relatively better, but there's an emphasis on the word relatively. Our lives are still built around finding this true love and we're pitied if we don't. Like I watched Bridget Jones the other week and I was the beginning bit, she's kicking herself in her diary for weighing nine stone four and for being alone. And I was like looking at her, I was like, you absolutely joking me. That's how much she weighs. Like it always felt like she weighed like a lot more like and that was the bother to her because of how society is with weight but nine stone four is a way I would kill to be and society is like connecting the fact that she's alone and that's not okay and it's because of her weight and it's ridiculous because it's such a tiny weight and why would her weight play into her desirability like if if I was alone and I weighed that much I was fine. I know I was fine when I weighed that much. I weigh more now and I'm still fine. And I think there does need to be a day where we can all be okay with being exactly who we want to be. And whether you're alone or you're with a partner, I think Valentine's Day is a beautiful day for that. But you're completely right. It's very gender exclusive. Where's this day for single men um, or for masculine personalities to just enjoy their friendships and relationships they're not as heavily attacked for being single i'll admit but i bet it still sucks to be single and be masculine when you want to have a relationship so why can't they have a day to feel good about being single and having a great life which they do without a partner yeah i think that's such an interesting point because i mean i will admit i follow more females on instagram and yeah generally i do follow women on things or like more feminine people um or people who are perhaps like queer and a bit more like thinking about celebrating the single life but yeah i have so many like single straight male friends who kind of get really sick of being single and there's no movement to tell them they need to celebrate that whereas i think there has been a bit more of a shift recently where women are being told oh let's celebrate the fact we're single and enjoy it whereas I haven't ever heard someone say that to a man really um on your note about like tv and films and things always ending in a relationship I really do like Dolly Alderton's books um because she doesn't do that so I don't know I think there's ghosts and what a time to be alone both of them I mean spoilers sorry <laughs> um but both of those I really enjoy because they don't play into that stereotype um but yeah maybe we need to make some kind of like petition to create a singles day although I'm sure there's one already out there um but I do I think it is so damaging to present a relationship as the end goal because a lot of the women especially in my life that I do love have spent a lot of time perhaps moping around because they haven't had this fairy tale ending yet or especially in lockdown times perhaps for whatever reason they can't spend all their time with their partner and it just makes them sad whereas to me I just think yeah just go out and make your own fairy tale and be happy on your own but I think when I say this a lot of people are just like oh well you're in a relationship so you can't talk but like especially again during lockdown I think I would find it a lot harder to be positive during lockdown if I was entirely depending on my relationship to be happy um because at the end of the day I can't see my partner at the minute so well We've had some great socially distanced walks, but it's not exactly the same as this sort of fairy tale that's presented in films. Um, but going back to Valentine's Day, I think love really is about that quality time you do manage to spend together. 
and it's not about whatever you can buy one another and that I think links back to what we talked about in January in regards to self-care and how it should be about quality time with yourself not just something you can buy so to recap for anyone who missed our event that we ran um, we talked about how it can be a feminist act to prioritize your own needs as a minoritized group because generally women and those from minority backgrounds are still in traditionally caring roles whether that's in paid or unpaid labor um, and obviously that's one of the reasons they've been worst impacted by COVID-19 and so to push back against this myth that we always need to be nurturing and productive is a bit of a revolt against consumerism and this society that tells us we're only valuable if we're earning or spending and obviously against the patriarchy which tells us we need to put others first all the time um, as you already know, my all-time favourite quote on this topic is by Audrey Lord. <laughs> um, if you haven't already heard of her, please do look her up. But the quote is, caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation and that is an act of political warfare. Um, and this is a really significant statement. And in our previous event, Liv and I talked about our own methods of self-care and we tried to break away from this idea that self-care is just a product you can buy. Although obviously having the financial privilege of spare time is such a big help and that's something I'm definitely trying to acknowledge that the fact, it's not the fact I can sit in a bubble bath with my nice bath bomb, it's the fact I have the time to do that which is really important and I'm not out working, I don't know, 40 hours a week or anything like that. Um, but on that note, Liv, how do you think we can make ourselves feel some more self-love this Valentine's and do you have any tips? for self-care for anyone who for whatever reason perhaps is spending Valentine's alone or not in the way that they'd ideally imagine? Um, the first thing that actually comes to my mind might be that but I just I've recently just started to say just get a vibrator like I know we've talked about how expensive they are sometimes in relation to like Florence given feminism but I truly think self-care is intrinsically connected to self-pleasure and masturbation is a really big part of that um love ha love honey have so many different vibrators and they explain how they work and there are affordable options and there's a student discount i actually bought one of my housemates a vibrator for valentine's day because i know she really wants one um and i know she was a bit nervous about it and when i bought my vibrator i remember being really anxious and like there's a like no understanding of how it works and all the different ones like it was so confusing but the website is really useful and it, when I actually arrived it was actually felt really freeing like it felt like I'd ignored all these like social norms of like I need a man to have sex um because I'm if you're a heterosexual woman you need a man to have sex I don't now I'm cool without them um so that's probably one of the big things I'd say first um but it, it's like you say it does depend on your financial situation like we're both very fortunate that we have jobs still um, and we're able to facilitate these kind of situations for ourselves. But going back to what you said about having a bubble bath, we both love a bubble bath and a face mask. Like they help so much. The other day, I was having a really bad day. I had a full on shower with like a body scrub, body lotion, I shaved my legs. You don't always have to, but it's really nice when you change your bed and you just fresh legs slide in. It's lovely. And I did a face scrub and a face mask and my skincare routine. Like it took a while, but I had such a great time. And the whole time, I wasn't thinking about everything that was upsetting me and that was worrying me. You add some pizza, brownies, movies, and wine. That's just my self care dream. Um, I mean, I love an empowering book about being single. There's so much stigma about being single, especially during Valentine's Day, that it can be suffocating. It's really nice to hear like that there's power in being single and be reminded that you don't need a partner to be who you are and some really good ones are What a Time to Be Alone by Jadero Guru and Spinster by Kate Bollock. Uh, I've also been listening to this really hilarious podcast that I tell Rosie to listen to all the time because the only thing she actually does is listen to podcasts <laughs> and it's called Why Won't You Date Me with Nicole Byers and it's all about why she's single so she's an American comedian and it really gets into the dating world and like apps and like the stigma around casual sex and the difficulty with intimacy because everybody acts like sex is so easy like you just meet somebody you have sex and that's it there's not it there's so much more to it and like I laugh out loud listening to these podcasts and it's definitely made me more 
confident talking about sex, as you can tell, because I've just recommended everybody to buy a vibrator. Um, on top of this, I really believe in hobbies. I started knitting last night. My housemate videoed me for five minutes while I was trying to figure out how it worked and just laughing at me. But I wasn't stressing the whole time. Like everything I've been worried about just disappeared from my mind. If that isn't self-care, I don't know what is. Like, what do you think, Rosie, in response to my many suggestions? Are you actually going to take any of them up? Um, I mean, I'll definitely listen to your podcast, as you know. When I get time, that'll be on the list. Um, it already is, actually. I, I love the range from vibrators to knitting. I feel like that's a very <laughs> classic feminist society um, range there. So, yeah, I love the Love Honey shout out. On that note of kind of like sex with yourself, I think it's, oh, I might be wrong on this, but I think it's Ruby Rare on Instagram. I don't know if you follow her, but I know she's running like a self-love workshops, um, which I haven't signed up for yet, but they look really interesting and kind of, yeah, teaching you, like you said, that sex doesn't have to be with someone else. Um, so I think that's a really important point. Um, for me, my self-care strategies tends to be at the minute just saying no to things because I do too many things and I am a people pleaser and I like being busy so I kind of say yes to everything but I'm really trying to realize the importance of spending time on my own or one day when this pandemic's not as bad <laughs> spending time with other people um but saying no to things isn't exactly a fun Valentine's Day activity so as you know, I already love sending my friends a long voice note, so I'll probably do that. I'll probably log off social media for the day because you've just heard my rant about Valentine's Day, but projecting on that onto other people isn't very helpful. Like, if someone wants to have a nice day, like, please do have a nice day. Like, don't be put off by my big rant. Um, so I'll probably log off social media so that I'm not sat there judging everyone being like, oh, you're having Valentine's Day. Um, yeah, I'll probably also be listening to a good podcast. Um, I've been listening to Happy Place at the minute. I also love to plug Call Your Girlfriend by Anne Friedman and Amina Tuso and How to Fail by Elizabeth Day because they both feel, make me feel so much better about being in my 20s. Um, especially How to Fail talks a lot about, yeah, just kind of the failures people had in their 20s. And that just always makes me feel good because I'm like, oh, they weren't even living through a pandemic. Um, so yeah, that's really my self-care things at the minute. But going on from that, I'm really interested in self-love. And there's a statement banded about a lot that you can't love someone until you truly love yourself. Um, I did have a Google and I can't tell who said it first. Um, but I'm really intrigued with, by this idea that you aren't maybe worthy of love unless you learn to love yourself first. Or I don't know if I've kind of interpreted that wrong, but what do you feel about that statement? Do you think it's true or important? I don't think it's a lack of worth. I think it's quite difficult to be in love and to fall in love with somebody and to be lovable when you don't love yourself because your relationship with yourself is the most important thing above anybody else. So if you don't have a good relationship with yourself, you kind of can't have a good relationship with another person. I mean, I was a really late bloomer I had my first date, my first kiss, and my first shag all in one night. And this was before university. And I came to university, I got Tinder, and I went on dozens of dates. Like, I once went on a walk with one of my friends in the centre of town, and I could, like, pick out all the different places I'd been on first dates. Um, the second and third dates were far fewer. Um, but I just was constantly searching for a guy to love me like I really thought that I needed somebody to love me and then life would get better and everything would work out and every time something didn't work out I would just believe it was my fault entirely I was too needy too clingy too unattractive when really none of it was my fault um and that probably went on for like a year and a half and then I got hurt quite a bit um in like a relationship type endeavor and I decided that I kind of needed to love myself a bit more first. Um, there's still parts of me that can get really distracted with a boy. Like, you know me, I love to just swipe through on Tinder. I have lots of fun, but sometimes I do get too invested, I suppose. Um, and it feels like my entire world for like three days. But the last year of my life has mainly been about like loving myself and it's been really worth it. Like my mental health is the best that it's been in a really long time. I'm really in tune with it. Like even if I'm having a bad time, like 
you and Harriet will know this, I can recognise when I'm having a bad time in myself. Um, and I feel like that's because I'm just so more in touch with who I am. Um, and I don't waste as much time trying to please other people. And I've started like really working on my own issues that mean I've never had successful relationships. Um, but I've never really had a real relationship. So I suppose I can't speak to it in that kind of sense. What would you say, Rosie, from your experience, especially as somebody with a long-term partner? Um, I mean, I feel like we could do a whole separate podcast on dating apps because I find them so fascinating. Like, as someone who has never really been part of the generation using them because I've been in a relationship for such a long time, but, like, I'm that for friends that's like, can I go on your hinge? Can I go on your Tinder? And, like, wants to swipe through for you. Um, but I find it really, yeah, let's, that's a really interesting thing in itself because I this idea that you can kind of shop for your ideal partner I find very interesting um, because again I always I've said this to you already Liv but I don't talk about my relationship that much because I'm not romantic and it sometimes comes across that I don't really like my boyfriend um, and again from dating apps that's what I find quite interesting is because my type on paper probably wouldn't be my boyfriend and all my friends know this like everyone jokes about this um and I find that really interesting so if I was on a dating app I probably would not like be chatting to my partner on it if that makes sense um so yeah but anyway diversion um I think the idea that you can't love someone else until you love yourself is quite difficult because I understand like you've said it's to encourage people to focus on themselves, which I think is really important. Um, and you should be the priority. But I also think for some people with mental health issues, it's maybe quite damaging to suggest that you're almost unlovable if you're having a hard time. So yeah, I am obviously in a long-term relationship. And I think maybe when we were a bit younger, there were moments where I didn't love myself that much. Um, and I probably wasn't a great partner because of them, but that didn't mean that I didn't love my partner less. It just kind of meant I needed to prioritise myself and I was bad at looking after myself at that time so although perhaps it's not a great idea to launch into a new relationship if you need to put some self-love in first I think most of us even at our lowest moments our friends and family do love us and so we kind of forget about this when we're looking for a romantic relationship we suddenly think that love's going to be different but actually if you can love your parents and love your friends why couldn't you love a romantic partner as well? Just because you don't love yourself, you can still be kind to someone else and love someone else, even if perhaps you can't give them as much as you would if you were feeling great about yourself. Um, but something I am a big believer in, especially is friendships. Um, and I think, as I've said, we, we see this love as quite different from relationships, but actually, yeah, like I say, if you can, be loving your friends why couldn't you love a romantic partner at the same time um and the importance of friendship to me is such a big thing um so i've already plugged call your girlfriend but Anne friedman and amia tuso have coined this term big friendship and this idea that really questions why we're kind of told our friendships should melt away perhaps when we're in our 20s and be replaced by romantic relationships and actually i don't think we can have a conversation about love romantic love or self-love without talking about our friends because love shouldn't just be about one romantic relationship or more if you're poly but um I think that's just too much pressure on one person especially in a monogamous relationship to expect this one individual to make up everything I think for me we really need a tapestry of lots of different relationships which bring us lots of different things yeah I definitely agree I really liked what you said about how like there were times when you didn't love yourself and it meant you couldn't love another person like as well as you normally would and I think that's more what I think of when I think about that that phrase you said um it's about like you love if you love somebody you want to love them to the full capacity and you want to love them so much that they know it but if you don't love yourself enough in the first place how can you do that to the best of your ability that person who is worth who you love is clearly worthy so they're worthy of the best. So I kind of think I see it that way. Um, but I definitely agree with your point about mental health. I think it's very difficult to love yourself when you're struggling with your mental health. And that's why a lot of my acts of self-care have been about improving my mental health. And I couldn't have done that without my friends. Like, 
if love was devoted solely to a romantic relationship, I would be very lonely because I rely on my friends so, so much. But I think you're right about how we view romantic relationship. I kind of sometimes forget that your partner is meant to be like your best friend. Probably because I've never experienced it. I don't, I've never felt that kind of love. So I don't almost know what it'll feel like. Um, so it's very easy for me to like kind of dismiss it, I suppose. But I think friends are everything. And if your partner is one of your best friends and they count under that, um, like they're the people that hold your hand through the tough parts of a romantic relationship and that is your friends but it's also your partner so surely they're all really important like you wouldn't dismiss like your pet one of your parents because of like a lack of presence like your parents are your parents your friends are your friends your partner's your partner you love them all and they all build who you are and help you be who you are and help you live your life as it is yeah definitely I just I think it is going back to what you said before about this kind of fairy tale image we're often given in like books and TV is romantic love is presented as this very special, very different thing. And like, obviously there are phases where it is like that. Everyone has like honeymoon periods, like it can be like that, but in the long term, it is another relationship in your life. It is another person you love and it doesn't have to be drastically different from all your other relationships obviously there's bits that are different like generally you're going to plan a future together which perhaps you might not with your friends and generally you're going to have sex which perhaps you might not with your friends but at the same time those things don't all have to be exclusive I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong if you and your best friend do want to like plan living together like that sounds great to me as well um but another interesting aspect of this self-love debate is what I find quite interesting is it comes across as a confidence thing sometimes which makes it quite hard to perhaps admit when you're wrong so I think it's really good to big yourself up um but sometimes does that mean people avoid taking responsibility for their actions so obviously I don't think anyone should be putting themselves down but is there a line quite a fine line between loving yourself and just boasting yeah I think there's definitely a fine line I mean we see a lot of like people who like speak positive affirmations themselves in the mirrors in the morning and that's like part of their routine part of their self-care and their self-love and you can do that and you can love who exactly who you are and be proud of yourself but you don't need to be arrogant you don't need to make people that are around you feel less because you want to feel good about yourself but you also want everybody around you to feel good And the best part about being a positive, happy person is that that presence is infectious. Everybody else will feel it. Uh, I feel like a big part of self-love is to take responsibility for your actions rather than to, like, blame people, I suppose, or blame, like, try and push it away. Like, self-love is accepting exactly who you are. And that is responsibility, in my opinion, like, accepting when you failed or you've done something wrong but not getting so down on that, learning what you did wrong and what you can do better in the future. I think boasting about your achievements is something really difficult to do. And I've like heard um, women talk about um, how they struggle to actually like big themselves up. And it's really interesting because I definitely have the same issues. Like I've done lots of different things and I've had a lot of achievements, but I would struggle to like sit and tell you them all and like not, kind of shrug them off and be like oh well anybody could do that or lots of people did that like it's a really difficult thing but it's a learning curve once you have it you shouldn't let it go because you should be proud of yourself for doing all these things like I don't know how you feel about it in yourself Rosie yeah I'm definitely the same I think this is always my biggest flaw in like job interviews is when you have to kind of bake yourself up I just can't do it (laughs) um it's definitely something I'm trying to work on but it's something I came across a lot when I used to follow Florence Given on Instagram um I don't want to give her too much airtime, but what I found quite hard really was that Florence really for want of a better word did blow her own trumpet on Instagram and she would be posting about how well her book was doing and how well she was doing and I felt like I should have been celebrating that and it kind of annoyed me um And I don't know if that was kind of my own internalized misogyny or whether I just found her annoying um, because she wasn't really aware of her own privilege. Um, 
but yeah, I think it's a bit of a both. I think it is quite uncomfortable because I'm not used to seeing a woman be proud of their own success. Um, but I have heard some interesting studies that have shown if a man has literally one requirement on a job description, they'll apply. Whereas if a woman doesn't have one, then they won't apply. And it is just that difference in confidence. And I think we all need to work on that confidence. And I perhaps need to stop judging other people for having it. Um, I don't know, do you have any sort of practical ways of gaining self-confidence, do you think? something that I've come into through experiences it's not easy I am um, I talk to my parents about it because like they're the people that have seen me the most in my life like they know who I am as a person and they definitely would agree that me taking on like additional roles and experiences is where my confidence built I mean I went to a high school where I wasn't very popular um, I wasn't very cool at all and then I did NTS and I moved to six forms I did a um, summer school uh, in another part of the country um, completely alone I took on additional leadership roles and then I moved to university I became president of society I've had several jobs I've taken on loads and loads of extra leadership leadership roles and this year I've taken on like a lot of public speaking roles like this one and it's definitely built my confidence up a lot more um, just putting yourself out there um, and I think one of the worst pieces of advice from it that I have to give you is fake it till you make it. Because if you pretend to be confident and like you feel that you are confident, you tell yourself you're confident, you will be confident. Like you can't not be. Um, and then an unorthodox one is probably online CBT techniques. There's so many apps and there's so many websites that will give you information on how to be more confident and how to approach things in the right way like there's always like videos and like little things to do even breathing techniques can help you feel more confident I mean do you have any I actually don't so that's <laughs> um no I think you're right in terms of getting that experience and I think for me recently I've definitely been trying to go for opportunities that I kind of know I'm not qualified for but not ruling myself out and just letting someone else rule me out and if they come back and say you're not qualified that's totally fine but just having that confidence to apply in the first place because through doing that I've realized the worst thing that happens is what I get rejected like it's not the end of the world um but yeah I definitely the CBT techniques sound really interesting um especially the breathing like I used to be so bad at presentations during my undergrad I once fainted during a presentation which was really embarrassing <laughs> um Oh, my poor tutor, honestly, he sent me like the cutest email afterwards being like, are you okay? I was like, I'm fine. Um, but yeah, it is really frustrating. Like I recently was offered quite an exciting opportunity and literally like I didn't tell anyone for like three days because I was like, what if they've emailed the wrong person? <laughs> oh no. I know, honestly, it's so bad. But yes, definitely something I'm going to work on. Um, so just to finish up, because you're now our resident media guru, because I'm literally still watching The Crown. Um, do you have any recommendations of like books podcasts tv or anything that could maybe help with any of the topics we've discussed today whether that's self-love valentine's or gaining confidence so book wise i would recommend amazing disgrace by grace campbell it's a book all about like shame and um, people are trying to make you feel bad about who you are um, and overcoming that um be your own best friend by chessie king um, very much about being your own cheerleader, which is a really big part of like self-love. Um, any book by Chidera Aguru is absolutely amazing. What Time to Be Alone, um, How to Get Over a Boy, both fantastic reads. Um, she even has a What Time to Be Alone journal, which is also really cool. Um, Slay in Your Lane um, is a fantastic book and a podcast as well. Um, that is mainly catered towards um, black British women and about how they um, have gotten through like all the modern issues that encumber that um, and like daily life issues like just dating in itself um, podcasts I look at once again why won't you date me with Nicole Byers I think it's brilliant um, TV shows I would say never have I ever looks really good I haven't seen it yet definitely gone onto my list now though and it's about a teenage girl that goes like to high school in America and she 
determined to like make something of herself and have sex with the boy and it becomes a much more transformative journey about like herself and finding who she is um how to be single brilliant movie it's got rebel wilson in that's all you need to know about it just that is the the big draw um Little Women is a book and then the new movie's out as well and it's got Timothy Chalamet in, another big draw. Um, and that's really about like all the different roles that a woman can take in life, even in that time period. Like nobody can make you sit in a box. Um, Le- Legally Blonde is what I plan to watch on Valentine's Day because I was looking at lists before this and I just realised what an empowering movie that is. Like She does start and end with a boy but the relationships are entirely different and like the whole way through where she's becoming powerful, there's a man who's not actually her boyfriend but is there supporting her consistently. And she doesn't even need him. She can do it all by herself and I just think that's beautiful. And then this is an unorthodox one and I'm sure Rosie's going to tell me she hasn't seen it, but Bridgerton has like so many women who like they are married or they're not, I mean... Her younger sister, and I can't, I think it's like Eloise, maybe, that one, um, like younger than Daphne, I think it's Eloise, and um, she just absolutely does not want to have a husband, she does not want to get married, no one can make her, and I just love that, like, but then Daphne is really happy, like, when she is married, so I feel like there's such a nice balance, it was really nice to see. You need to watch it though, Rosie, I can't believe you haven't seen that one. I know, it, like I say, it is also on the list. I need to, I don't know, I need to like timetable in some TV watching time because I'm, I'm like, everything has to be in my diary. <laughs> so if I write down, like watch something fun, I'll do it because it's written in my diary. But okay, yeah. thank you for those recommendations. Okay, and now we've got our Did a Feminist Say This game, which our president Harriet invented. So I'm going to read a couple of quotes and put Liv on the spot to guess whether a feminist said them or whether it was someone a bit more questionable. So, sorry, Liv, I feel like you're dreading this. Yeah, I am. I'm going to do so terrible. So, okay, I'll read you the first one. If you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. Oh, correct. So interestingly, this was actually on a list of feminist quotes, um, but I'm discounting it because it was Margaret Thatcher, who I wouldn't say was the biggest believer in equality. Um, But yeah, well done. Good job. So my other one is feminism always gets associated with being a radical movement. Good. It should be. Yeah. So that was Elliot Page. Um, so well done. You didn't fail too tragically at that. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that. I feel like there's a lot of fear with that one. Definitely. I feel like the first one definitely was not feminist because feminism is like equality, like that's the base of feminism that everybody that isn't a feminist ignores. So that was definitely a good little trap you set me. <laughs> so just as we're finishing up, Liv, is there anything you'd like to plug? So our master's event that we ran the other week is recorded on Canvas under enrichment for any students wanting to learn more about an English master's degree or a degree in general. We answer questions about finance and housing and applications. It's just a lot of me asking questions that I personally have. I kind of made my own events to find out what a master's does. Um, This Sunday we have a 60 minute talent um, Zoom game where people essentially can bake, paint, write, do anything they want, but we can chat and muse while we're doing it. Um, we tend to do socials every single Sunday and they're always on our Instagram and our Facebook. We are running our schools program still at the moment where we are creating resources to educate students on English and university life. So if you want to um, help collate a result, you can just contact me or Lizzie Murray or Kate Errington to get involved. Um, but yeah, just check out Inksock. We are a really lovely community and we're always welcome to meeting more members. Yeah, very nice. So in addition to that, I'd just like to shout out the Femsock socials. So we're at Nusu Femsock on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Um, I won't try and plug anything else since 
I don't know anything about media. <laughs> um, but if you didn't make it to any of our events last month, I would recommend you check out Remake Our World campaign. Um, I do follow them on Instagram, thanks to our fantastic vice president, who's a Remake ambassador. And I just think that's quite a worthy cause to follow because everyone really should care about the impact of fast fashion on the people and the planet. Um, and our upcoming FemSoc events in the next few weeks are What Sex Ed Missed in Schools on the 17th of February at 7pm, which is part of this month's sex positivity campaign run by our wonderful social sex and sexualities rep Taya. We also have sex education watch party on the 24th of February as part of this campaign and a watch party of Colette on the 25th for our boot club and in collaboration with LGBT plus society. And to round this month off, we've got a self-care weekend of sex positivity on the 28th of February. So please do check out those events for the more physical side of self-love. Um, we've also got some cute FemSoc merch available at the new Sue website. Um, this merch this month is raising money for Swarm, which is a collective founded and led by sex workers, supporting sex workers and fighting the criminalization among other um, fantastic solidarity work that they're doing across issues of justice. So please do check them out at Swarm Hive on Instagram. All of our merch is ethical and sustainably sourced and you really can't have too many masks and tote bags. Um, and if you're a Newcastle University student and like what you've heard today, you can buy membership to FemSoc at the new Sue website. Um, is that the same with English Sock, Liv? Yes, it is. Yeah, so on the new Sue website for that. So thank you for joining us today, and we'll be back in a few weeks with another episode of Spilling the Intersectionality. I hope you all have a wonderful Valentine's Day, um, however you spend it, and don't forget to follow us all on Instagram, so new Sue FemSoc or Newcastle underscore English Sock. English Sock, is that right, Liv? Yes, English Sock. Okay, great. And thank you so much for joining me today, Liv. Thank you for having me.